Welcome to Filmstrip, featuring Nick. They are coming. They are coming. They are not only coming, they are here. And Jay. Isn't it better be important? These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and contain in-depth discussions of the plots, characters, and themes. All content used or discussed in this podcast is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And this is our review of Critters, because I don't have enough little green shit in my life after Leprechaun. <laughs> Starring D. Wallace Stone, M. Emmett Walsh, Billy Greenbush, Scott Grimes, Don Opper, and Terrence Mann. Directed by Stephen Herrick. Released in 1986 on a budget of $2 million. Grossed over $13 million at the box office. And was even given two thumbs up by Siskel and Ebert. Rest their souls. So, Nick, it's, uh, you know, it's the end of the year here. Um, why Critters? Uh, why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> We were talking about shows, and I guess I don't know. I just we have, me and you haven't really done that many horror movies. I mean, when, when I, my first show on here was us doing the Blair Witch Project, and that was really our only forte into the horror genre. And I guess you kind of consider to be consider critters to be horror, but I don't know. I just felt like you know a little bit lighter of a movie, something you know. 80s flair. I mean, we both kind of love these you know 80s type you know horror comedies, so. Just kind of throwing around ideas with you. It kind of brought up, you know, maybe doing like a little monster retrospective, you know, maybe like Munchies, Gremlins, and it kind of just evolved into us just doing the uh, Critters Quadrilogy. (laughs) Yeah, and let's just say that. I had no idea there were four of these. I knew there was one, and I think I was vaguely aware that there was a sequel. I had no idea there was a three and a four. So um, that is going to be a brand new experience for me as we go forward in these. But, you know, I'll say this about Critters. I have a fond memory of this film because as a kid, I think I taped this off of one of those free HBO or Showtime weekends or something like that. And I can remember wearing out the VHS tape watching this. I couldn't get enough of this, particularly Johnny Still and Power of the Night, that whole 80s music video. I was a kid of the 80s, man. I was into the hair metal, all that stuff, and the pop hair and all that, and I I dug everything about this movie. I wanted to be Bradley. I thought that was so cool. I wasn't allowed to play with fireworks like that, but I always thought that would be neat. You know, it was, I don't know, there's just all kinds of fun stuff in here. And it was a fun thing to go back to and watch this again, because it's been, God, Nick, it's been at least 15 years since I watched this. It's been a long time. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, I think I might have revisited this movie maybe seven, eight years ago when I first got Netflix for the first time and I was just kind of going through picking out like old 80s gems that I used to watch as a kid because I'm the same as you. I, I watched the hell out of this and uh, Critters 2 as a child. Uh, I just remember like, you know, when all my cousins would come over, we'd have a sleepover at Grandma's house. I'd bring over like a bunch of VHSs and Critters was always one that we'd always end up watching, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, you know, when the grandparents are sleeping on the couch and you know, it was just it was just a lot of childhood memories, a lot of fun times, and it was really kind of cool watching this. I even let uh, me and Chase actually re-watch watch this together and stuff, and he kind of d- dug it too. I was kind of a little bit nervous watching it with him because I was kind of like, is this gory? Is it what? But as soon as I saw the PG-13 marker come up and kind of got into it, it's like it's it's more silly than scary. 
Yeah, it's definitely in an era when horror, I guess you'd say, protected the audience. Like, it was so goofy that you could just go with it. And, I mean, you said your son's a big Aliens fan. This is way tamped down compared to that. So I mean, this is a step of almost, tremors, I yeah. think, as far as, like... <laughs> yeah, I think this is a step in the right direction of terror vision, in my opinion. But, because uh, we did do that, you and I have, you know, you're right, we haven't done a lot of straight horror. We've done a whole lot of sci-fi. Aliens, Terror Vision, Independence Day, and now this. So I think eventually we're going to have to do like Predator or something. I don't know. But uh, this is uh, this has definitely been an interesting one to go back to. And I guess we should get into this movie. And so I'm going to leave it to you, the fan here. Give us the plot summary, if you will, of Critters. The Krites, or Critters, escape from their asteroid prison in a ship with plenty of fuel. They head for Earth in search of food. Two shape-shifting bounty hunters are dispatched to track down these pests before they get out of hand. Meanwhile, on Earth, the Krites terrorize a small Kansas farm town, eventually holding the Brown family hostage at their farm. The bounty hunters finally arrive with the help of the youngest Brown, Brad, and his mechanic buddy, Charlie. They are able to destroy the Krites and set most of the destruction right before they head off back into space. And in the final scene, we see unhatched Krite eggs in the barn as credits roll. Yeah, they leave us in that cliffhanger. That's kind of a good short summary. Let's get into this. We can kind of talk about this. I, you know, again, I, like I said, I've seen this before, but my wife had never seen it. So we sat down to watch it together the other night, and I popped it in, and I forgot that this movie started in space. Like, I don't know if I – I just didn't remember how these critters got to Earth, but it starts on this asteroid planet. And I was watching this, and I was like, God, remember the days when, like, cheap sci-fi was the norm? Like, this would be sci-fi network nowadays, right? But this was before a lot of computers and stuff. This was all, you know, models and, and crap. Oh, definitely. It's paper mache rock prison up, you know, a backdrop <laughs> of a black, you know, space background or whatever you want to say, you know. And it's 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 cheap, but it's also, I guess, I don't know, like, kind of refreshing in a way that, you know, we're mm. kind of seeing something that's kind of, you know, made with maybe love. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just kind of watching this and you get like, you just get a lot of flashbacks and movies from the eighties, a lot of like the, the sci-fi stuff, a lot of the, uh, you know, even got like kind of like a little bit of a carpenter vibe in the, in the beginning with just like how it's kind of set up and it just jumps right into it where you're, you're in outer space. And this was actually kind of, I guess, shocking to me is I forgot that these things were actually on, in a prison asteroid or whatever you want to say. And they're actually somewhat smart. You know, I always kept on thinking back to these movies that the critters were just like these little balls of hate or whatever, you know, maybe like a step below a gremlin <laughs> as far as intellect goes, but they're actually supposed to be pretty smart. And the first thing we get is like, okay, they're on this plant, they're on this asteroid and then they escape and then they hijack a, a spaceship. And it's like, oh, these things can fly a spaceship. <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, all the stuff that gets laid out here. Now, you said something, though, in the middle of that that we got to address. There's a lot of controversy surrounding this, that this was made as a direct ripoff of Gremlins because it did come out afterward. And Gremlins was a script that had kind of been around uh, you know, Hollywood for a while. And Spielberg backed that one. And it was a huge hit. So certainly, that I think that had something to do with this getting greenlit. You know, the, the fact that the little green monsters are out there and stuff. But I, the thing that differentiates what, what I like is that 
that they if they're carrying over any of the attributes is the thing you knew about the gremlins is they could learn stuff. You know, they figured out how to work things and, and do and I like that these little balls of fur and teeth can get you know, smart enough to fly and and they're smart enough to steal a ship with plenty of fuel to cross the galaxy many times over as the floating, you know, tub of goo says. And and uh, then we dispatch our two bounty hunters. Now, now this to me I remembered this scene and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to see this again because it's these guys in like green plastic makeup, right? And they're and they drop this line that they're transformers, so they can be anything they want. But as my wife so astutely pointed out, wait a minute, their faces are alien, but their hands are most decidedly human. <laughs> Did you catch that? Oh yeah, I mean I'm watching this as like, <laughs> oh, they're like a shapeshifter, but they have a bipedal body naturally. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's pretty convenient. But I mean, we're dealing with a two million dollar budget, and I think it's actually kind of cool. I mean, you mm-hmm. get these guys, and they got these like glowing green faces, and then they sit down, and the guys kind of giving them a little briefing. You know, I even like it too after they get to like call in the bounty hunters. It's like they just get right to it. Yeah, yeah. There's no wasted time. It's like we're gonna go get the intergalactic cops, basically, or, or hitmen, if you will, to go take care of this thing. And this is the thing they never really explained to us what the critters are, or the crites, rather, where they come from, any of that stuff. It's just that they're a real problem, especially when they feed. And that that's another, you know, comparison to gremlins that the director and the writer will tell you is all just you know happenstance. But I I kind of think it's like yeah, you're just borrowing the same idea. But either way, it gives the movie a clock right like you've got to get it before they feed because if they feed then they can multiply or whatever i think that's the the point and i don't know i, I liked it but i really like the bounty hunters flying to uh, earth and you know they try to assimilate earth culture by essentially flipping through mtv right <laughs> on, on little google glasses before those things existed yeah they're going through like all the different <laughs> tv channels and uh ugh you know, there's Ugg and there's mm-hmm. Lee, Ugly, <laughs> Clubber. And uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, he, he he stops on the music video of this guy named was like Johnny Steele or something like Johnny that. Johnny Steele. Oh, God, look he at that likes hair, the way man. He looks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, 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 to... the, hair's, the hair, it's it, like the quote, like Dodgeball. It's feathered. It's fantastic. <laughs> Indeed. It most definitely was. Johnny Steele, Terrence Mann. Okay. This guy, most known in his career, and he's most famous for doing Broadway. He's done some television. These are really the kind of the films he's done and stuff. But what a, a different looking, I don't know, person. I mean, he's tall, and he's got this huge face and his hair. I don't know. He he looked like a couple of other people to me. Yeah, I was saying, I was telling you before I said, it kind of looks like Tim Curry mixed with Mick Jagger. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> way to say it. Yeah, he's he's got he's got a face that it's very recognizable, and I just thought it was you know it's kind of cool that you know he he finds this guy and like you know automatically he's like yeah I want to be this guy I want to be this guy and yet the other one Lee he just he can't choose and it's kind of like the the I don't know, his shtick throughout the whole movie is he keeps on changing faces because he just he can't find anything he likes and I thought that was kind of a nice little touch as we go on because what it does is it gives some of the other actors in the movie a little bit more to do than just being in it for a couple seconds so. And plus, it, it's just interesting, I think, because it just shows that, I don't know, I think like it's almost comedic when he's doing it, because then it's like, oh, he's going to be the priest, oh, he's going to be the dead cop, oh, he's going to be Charlie, you know? Yeah. I, I like that, though, that he keeps changing, he can't make up his mind and stuff, but yeah, the whole point here is they got to find somebody that can blend into society, and nothing blends into small farm 
Town, Kansas, than you know, '80s hair gel rocker um, with you know a, a what is that a, a leaf blower gun next to him and a you know a long brown leather jacket. I mean, these guys are decked out like they're you know, backup singers from Kiss or something. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, the intergalactic bounty hunters look a whole lot like Road Crew. But either way, that's the whole setup. And then we we get to Earth and we meet our family here. In town now, I've seen the two adults here and a hundred other things. I'm sure Billy Greenbush been in a lot of stuff. D. Wallace Stone, dare I say, a scream queen? You know, based on the Howling and Cujo and this, and she was in the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. I mean, what? Yeah, she's been in all kinds of stuff, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. It's it's kind of cool to see him in here too. And I mean, and it's almost like you know, we we reviewed Tremors, and it's I'm really getting a Tremors vibe here. Where oh, yeah. it's a small town, you know, you're only going to be with a few people, and it's basically going to be the whole movie's going to be, you know, stationed just around this one house, this one farm. Well, the whole point, that you, the the conceit that the small town gives you is that you don't have you don't have the money for a big cast anyway, so this eliminates the need for that, and it allows you to, you know, just keep it really tight. You know, and like you say, they're even going to reuse actors in different roles for, you know, they're going to roll them around and do this. So, it, but it gives it a real quaint feel and it makes it, I don't know, uh, easier to follow because pretty much everything happens at the farm, right? Or right around the farm. I mean, it's like they shot the farm and then they go out on the street and then they shoot the farm and they go out on the street some more. We don't really see much else at the town, you know, and I, I don't know. I kind of like that. I thought it was, uh, it was a nice touch. And, you know, you get your whole family here. Now, this is what was funny to me. You've got traditional Midwestern farmers here, right? Now, Nick, this is your neck of the woods, all right? You're from Wisconsin. That's not that far from Kansas. I don't know. I don't know many kids of farmers that are as, dare I say, city-fied as these two kids are. <laughs> Scott Grimes and his sister, Nadine Vanderveld. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, this is essentially where I grew up. I mean, I, I, right. I, I'm, I'm a suburb kid. I grew up in the suburbs. And basically what the suburbs, you know, for us was just all carved out of uh, farmland. And when we, like, when we moved out to the suburbs, it was, you know, it was basically half suburb, half farmland. It's basically exactly like this. And mm-hmm. we're only, you know, skipping a hop away from the city. I mean, we're half away, half an hour away from Milwaukee. So we had a lot of the more, like, city culture-like, you know, as far as we weren't all hicks out by us. You know, it was like... We're all, we're all right. driving around nice cars, you know, everybody has nice cars, everybody has nice houses, everybody has all the tech, it's not like everybody's driving around on a John Deere and chewing tobacco, but you also had the look of that out there, so it's kind of a mix of cultures, and so for me, it's like, it's it's completely relatable, I mean, you're going to have this girl who's kind of fighting the farm girl image, and you got the boy who's kind of, you know, working on the farm with the dad, but he's not really a, you know, a farm kid per se, so it's, and it's, it's to me, it's believable, because, you know, that's basically where I grew up, I mean, this is almost, you know, Waukesha, Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say I'll say this. I mean, I thought it was it, it was typical '80s stuff. I mean, really, you, you have the, the mom and dad clearly, you know, get along well. All this stuff. The mom is the stay-at-home mom, the traditional mom, I guess you'd say, from from a time gone by. And then you have the older sister, who's you know kind of a bitch to her younger brother, and she's also kind of a slut. 
You know, we, we get is, that, she, is, she a, is she a slut though? I mean, we'll get into that. I mean, I, they talk. I mean, she talks about the boys. That oh no, he wasn't really any good. And then now she's got the guy from New York, which we're definitely going to talk about him, Billy Zane. Oh my God, forgot he was in this. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, she well, she's making out with him in the hay, man. Yeah, but that, that's that's all they <laughs> you know, do though. I mean, they're making out up there for well, like two hours. Well, it's PG thirteen in eighty six, man. They can't go all the way. I mean, this ain't Skinamax, so. <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you, as a kid watching this movie, that was it was plenty for me. So I was, I thought she was. Uh, I think I know, saw an wonderful. ankle there, mom. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can I watch really? this? I'll pause. Oh, that was it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think mom knew I was watching this, but anyway, dad certainly did, and he understood. But um, I, you know, I don't know. I th- it, it was it was neat to watch them relate to each other, though. You know, it wasn't like they hated each other. You know, that's the common trope, right? But it was, it's definitely like the way kids act. You know, old the old older sister can't stand the younger you know brother and the younger brother i love the fact that he's trying to get out of going to school by like heating up the thermometer i, I had never even thought of that before but when i saw how it didn't work out for him i was like well i'll never try that because that's no I, I i did that a lot <laughs> as a kid I'd, I'd go i'd tell my mom about the <laughs> and i put it up by the light bulb and just hold it up there hold it up there hold it up there well moms aren't stupid okay yeah the temperature says this but your forehead says you're 98.6 go get your clothes on <laughs> Exactly. Go to school, boy. You know, and I, I did like that was kind of funny. So, and it's neat how the day cuts. Like you go from the morning, everybody's going to school, and then boom, we're back in the afternoon because we don't have money to shoot anywhere else except the fake jail cell thing where we meet Charlie, the drunk uh, mechanic. Did you ever watch the Andy Griffith Show growing oh, up? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Who didn't? Oh, okay, so you, you you remember Otis, right? Yeah, this is Otis. I, Yes, that's exactly right. Thank you. I was wondering if you got that vibe too, because I was like, man, this is totally, totally Otis here if he was younger and skinnier. You know, uh, Charlie McFad, Don Opper, a guy who will be with this series till its end. You know, I uh, can say I only know him as the guy from Critters. Has he done anything else that you've noticed? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Apparently he was in Slam Dance. I I missed that one. I don't know if you saw it, but oh, uh, oh, 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 <laughs> I don't <okay>. know. If... <laughs> yeah, maybe in our Slam Dance retrospective, when we we really dig the bottom of the DVD barrel on Amazon, we can get to that. But I may be able to no, find I that. Know, on a car I liked wash. him <laughs> <laughs> probably for half a dollar. So. Though it may not play in your region, depending on who you buy it from. I I kind of like Charlie though, because he is you know, he's. Did you get sort of that he may have been a little, I don't know, slow Is in addition to being drunk, that he wasn't all there? Because the way the sheriff talks to him, it's like he's a big overgrown kid. I never really took it that he was really dumb. I just took it as he was a guy that was probably picked on his whole life and just became a town drunk and just was kind of like, just kind of used to being like a submissive to everybody where they're just going to make fun of you and rip on you and he's just going to, he's going to take it. I never really took him as being really stupid. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't M-O-O-N, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I I think uh I think that's uh that that's a good way to say it. He wasn't that bad, but he definitely was a man who hit the bottle and stuff. But we meet all the other hicks in the town at this point too. M. Emmett Walsh, the sheriff, I, another character actor I've seen in a hundred things. You know, he's been. I don't think he's with us anymore. But you know, for especially in the eighties, you saw him constantly. Mm-hmm. He was always popping, and even through the nineties too, he popped up on screen a lot. And 
uh, Lynn Shay. I don't know if you're a fan of Lynn Shay. Uh, you've seen her in a lot of stuff. If you've seen some Nightmare on Elm Street movies, or if you've seen uh, Kingpin, she's in that. And um, if you've seen Insidious, she was in that. She actually starred in that. She was the clairvoyant woman or whatever that. Uh, and if people can't help the family face on her so, right now, there's something about Mary, yeah. the neighbor. The old neighbor. There you go. That there we go. Yeah, but she's the brother of the producer of this. We didn't mention this is New Line Cinema, the house that Freddie built. And as I told my wife, this is one of the movies that Freddie built because this was Freddie money that got this kind of movie made. And so, you know, they take two million off of that, and you know, here we go. So, I I like the setup here though. And the, 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 I think one of the best things about this film is that it's not very long. I mean, really, if you take away the the end credits of it, it's about 75 minutes long and they don't waste any time here. Cause it's all about getting into this thing and introducing our characters quick. And we meet them all you know, very easily. We get to see that April, the, the daughter is you're trying to maybe undo the farmer girl. image, like you said, and she brings home her new boy friend, if you will, Billy Zane, who drives that, you know, 944 Porsche Turbo, right? And I love Dad's line there. You ain't gonna haul a lot of hay in that, and, and because that would be something like my dad would say, or his brothers, or you know, my uncles and stuff. So I can relate to that. And we've met Mom and Dad, of course, and we've met Charlie, and we see that Charlie and Brad are buddies, right? And Brad is a budding pyromaniac, shall we say? Yeah, I'd say so. I don't know. I think the, the relationship, <laughs> though. I mean, we're talking about you know Charlie and him. It was. uh I don't know, man. I mean, I guess we're living in a different age than it was in the 80s. I think the 80s was a little bit more innocent, but that kind of creeped me out. It's like, you kind of got this, like, middle, you know, 30-some-old guy drunk, and he's hanging out with, like, a 14-year-old, 13-year-old kid behind the barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think we do live in the age now where, where we would you know, cast a strange eye on that. This was definitely a much more innocent time that uh, that we were in here. And it was all, and it, it's never even played for any of that. Though. That's the thing. Like it's they're you know, he's ju- just his buddy or whatever. And I love how they're trying to shoot the can with a slingshot. And Charlie winds up hitting April right in the butt, you know, and, and that's her and Brad's big fight, you know, all this stuff. But it's the whole thing is to put the the onus on Charlie that he can't really do anything right, right? Like he's just sort of the lovable loser here. Yeah, he's the he's the habitual screw up. No matter what he does, he's gonna right. be screwing it up in the end. I mean and you know that they're setting it up that, you know, he's gonna do nine things wrong, but that tenth one he's gonna do right and save the day at the end. Mm-hmm. And then the Krite ship lands, and they all mistake it for a comet, but that uh, shakes the house and screws up the TV where you know we mess up the Power of the Night video, which I was amazed mom was watching the Power of the Night video. Did your mom flip through MTV much? Mine didn't. Oh, yeah. I remember coming down a few nights where she'd be like <laughs> folding laundry and stuff and watching VH1. She wasn't an MTV person. She was a VH1 person, but... I don't know. I, I kind of like this. You know, she's like watching on TV and she's kind of looking up at it and looking back down. And then she finally changes the channel. She's like, I've had enough of this crap. Yeah. And then she starts yelling at her husband, like, you're going to be late for the bowling tournament. And I love how the farmer has a bowling league that he's going to go. And to. I love that he's got the, he's so got like, he's, the, uh, like the full Ghostbusters logo on the back. You notice it? I know. Yeah. The, the pin, the pin busters. Yeah. They had the little pin, like the ghost face to the no sign. That, that was neat you know it took me forever to realize what he was doing i never got that as a kid because i didn't see i didn't see bowling leagues i didn't know what that was till i was much yeah, older but what, and i remember asking my folks what is that but what bowling leagues okay. go on on a friday night i thought bowling leagues were like for saturday at like <laughs> midday saturday or something that seemed really late for a bowling uh, tournament didn't it 
Well, I know. That's what I was saying. I was like, how? I mean, it's really dark outside. Yeah. So how how late is this? I mean, what are you, are you just going to leave your teenage daughter to make out in the barn and your precocious, you know, firework happy son up in his room? Mm. Where I'm certain he doesn't have any more, but we've already seen him building more of them. Yeah. Little little Unabomber up there. <laughs> and, well, um, if this if this would have been uh, like th- three years later, or maybe like actually like seven years earlier, maybe instead of the parents going out to a bowling alley, they would go into a swinging party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like you know I'm, I'm bringing back some flashbacks of Terrorvision right here. <laughs> Terrorvision, you you are indeed. Where's Grandpa with the uh, the machine guns? That's all we. But that's know. actually I think so, a character I was kind of uh, missing here was like the really old guy, you know. But I guess maybe. Well, you know what? I think that's supposed to be Charlie. He's just not the old guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, as soon as I said that, I'm like, well, Charlie's there, and he kind of he kind of takes the place of that. So yeah, you are right. Yeah, and and a little bit of that's on the sheriff too. You know, he's an older guy. He kind of comes in late in the thing, but I think that's where where they're going with this. And the whole setup is you know April and her boyfriend Billy Zane. Now, man, this this was a blast for me because my wife was like, "Who is this?" And I was like, "That's the the guy from Titanic who was Kate Winslet's to be." You know, she's like, "Oh, that dude." I was like, "Yeah, also the Phantom, Demon Knight, several other, <laughs> yeah, Demon Knight." Oh my gosh, I never thought we'd be referencing that, but yeah. It's so, I mean, an accomplished actor, and uh, accomplished is not the right word, a working actor in his own right. Yeah, you know, he Billy was in Zane. Stone and Back to the Future. <laughs> this is true. He was in He was in Back to the Future? Yeah, he was one of uh, Biff's goons. I didn't know that. Was, I learned something new every day here on Future. I'm like the, I'm like the biggest that, Billy Zane so. fan. I'm still holding out that he's going to be Lex <laughs> Luthor in the new Superman movie, but that's just me. Apparently so. I think uh, I think you're going to miss on that, though. Isn't that uh, Walter White uh, Cranston at this point? I don't know, man. I'm getting my rice and ready if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably should. But back to uh, – well, tread lightly. That's all I'll say, Nick. But uh, getting back to, to the critters here, um, we we see that uh, they come – the critters have attacked their first person, and it's the uh, deputy who's always trying to flirt with Lin Shea, the operator, I guess, at the, the police station – he gets uh, run off the road because one of the critters comes rolling out in front of him. And then, I, I love this cheap effect. They can't really show any of the gore, so they just drag him under the car. And then later we see him laying there and he's all bloodied up. But I, I don't know. I like that we got an on-screen kill, finally. Because it, it, it was getting to the point, I was like, I need to see these things do something. Yeah, it, it, it was getting to the point where it was like, we need something to happen now. I mean, we haven't seen these things yet. We've had enough setup with the family. The setup for the family is perfect. But it's just like, you know, come on, get on with it. And they do. I mean, you get, you get, you get a little kill with the cop, and he gets dragged underneath the car. And, you know, I, I kind of like it that, you know, the she's on the phone or the on the, on the radio, and she's like, you know, pick up, pick up. And you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that, you know, I don't want to go out for a beer with you or whatever. And, you know. Donuts. Yeah, donuts. yeah they want to go get donuts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course the cop wants to go get donuts. But, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, then we finally, uh, we get the arrival of the bounty hunters, I believe, then too, right? Yeah, yeah, they come in, you know, not long after that, and they start sniffing around and, and looking for traces of the Krites, and they find the, the dead deputy, and that's when Lee first, or the other bounty hunter, first transforms. And, of course, when he transforms, like, he transforms with scars and all. So he's walking around, like, cut and chewed up on the face. <laughs> and I love the look that uh, Johnny Steele, fake Johnny Steele, gives him, like, hmm, okay, I guess that'll do. And then they can't figure out how to work the car. <laughs> You know, they just keep playing with it, and finally one of them shoots the shotgun off. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and that gets them going. Somehow. I mean, you you literally have two different movies going on here. You got like a you got a monster movie going on because basically everything at this point with the critters is kind of taken is is serious in a way. And then you got these guy these bounty hunters, and it's a complete like fish out of water tale with them, where they're just gonna go around and they're just like gonna be you know going into this small town and completely not getting what's going on here. And that's the whole thing is that you've got the fish out of water story while you've got the family in peril story because the dad who's also named jay by the way i always thought that was awesome i had a cool character name finally in a, in a movie that i liked when i was a kid him and brad go to find the comet at the landing site and they they don't know what it is and then they start running back and that's when the krites attack everything because they are eating a, a cow right and that you know they have no idea what has happened and that's when they attack the farm and i love how they managed to like cut the power chew up the dad shoot him with the dart i mean they raise hell in about five minutes on these guys oh yeah definitely i mean the father like you know the mom the mom first kind of sees you know she sees the eyes and stuff outside the kitchen gets like you know a little freaked out and you know the dad and the son go and investigate and he finally goes down to the basement and that's when he first encounters the uh, or the uh, critter i believe and yeah, he gets attacked, and you know they get back to the house and everything like that. And that's when they actually decide to attack the uh, the girlfriend and the boyfriend. Right? Yeah. And Billy Zane gets it right in the stomach, right? And all April can think to do is to try to stab it with a pitchfork, and it eats the pitchfork. <laughs> and I don't know. I I'll give this movie credit for this. Like you think, like that little ball of fur, you could just stab it and be done with it, right? But the things are strong, and that's I don't know. It gives them a menace, right? Like if they're that small, you have to do something to up the game. They have to be freakishly strong too, right? I just I think the whole aspect of their teeth and everything like that kind of makes them a little bit more of a threat to be reckoned with because I think that's kind of what you get with the pitchfork when she like tries to stab it, the thing just kind of bites it in half and. You know they got they got they got a hell yeah. of, they got a hell of a bite on them and everything like that. So I think that was kind of cool, and I like their design. I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, they were basically soccer yeah. ball size, and and they're, and they're, yes. they're, they're furry soccer balls with sharp teeth. Yeah, and they have these little wild grins on their face and little fat faces. They're just little balls of of you know teeth and fur. And if they you know hunch their back over, they can shoot spines at you like a porcupine. So they can launch something, and apparently it's got some kind of a knockout to it because it knocks out the sister with it and it paralyzes the dad temporarily with it too. And I mean, I like that you know, we, we get all of that without them ever having to explain it. Like nowadays I feel like a movie this cheap and stuff would have the bounty hunters, you know, being told that, or they'd watch a file on it or something. And I love how films of this era in particular told you things by doing it and showing you. And you know, for what they are, the effects are pretty good. I mean, they're little hand puppets, right? But they're, they're kind of cute in addition to being menacing. I I just think they're hilarious. I just I, – I do. I just think these <laughs> things are hilarious. I mean that, that's why I like this movie a lot is like we, we get we get Brad. Brad goes and he saves his sister and, you know, he, he has a little like smoke thing. He throws it in the critter's mouth and then, then it's like just standing there and you see all – it like kind of puffs up a little bit and all the – the smoke comes out, and then he's like, uh, 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 and then he falls over dead. I mean, it's it's so gremlins yeah. right now because you know just we're going to kill these things kind of in funny fashion, and I I, I laugh at that every time I see it because it just it falls over like a bowling pin. <laughs> It is. It is funny. It does fall over like a little bowling pin. And I think, again, that's the limitation of what they could do with it. But it was cute. It was funny. And it also showed that Brad's, I mean, they've set up Brad's um, fireworks, you know, the Chekhov's firework. It's going to go off, See, right? This, In the third this, act. this is you why movies wait. like this are movies I really like, because 
a lot like like Tremors or even like Terror Vision or something like that. The the movie guy knows what kind of movie he's making. They're not out to make a right. serious horror movie here. They realize, you know, hey, we got this idea. We're not going to get the proper budget for it to do like a big serious horror movie. We're not going to get the quality actors that we'd want. So we're just going to make a fun B movie. And, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to have, you know, really great, you know, special effects props. But we're going to use that to our advantage. And you get that like with the bowling pin scene where it's just like, yeah, they just, you know, had a little little fish wire and they just pull it over. And that's just what it is. And it's just, it's it's funny. It's funny as hell. And, you know, we, we, we get a little bit later in the scene where they're all going, you know, into the house or whatever. And, you know, they're they're trying to get out, you know, to the car and then the things attack them again. And then they go back in the house. And then the critters can talk. They can talk to each other. And we got subtitles where they're talking to each other. Yes. And, and this is where, you know, they pull out the rifle and, you know, they shoot, and then they kind of, the, the critters are kind of laughing at at the mom, because the mom's shooting. And they're like, they have weapons. And the one goes, so what? And then all the one that goes, says, so what, gets blown away. <laughs> and the other one drops the, the, the other one drops the F-bomb and just runs away. I know, I, I love that. Yeah, like, like, the mom can't get the gun loaded. They finally get in the house, because Brad runs around and unlocks it from the inside. They get inside, and the critters are like, well, what do we do? We just wait them out, and then she opens up the door and blasts one of them to oblivion, and the other one's like, F, and just starts rolling off. And I like how they travel, too. They don't really walk. They can kind of waddle, but if they want to get anywhere, they just curl up like a little roly-poly bug, and they just roll. You know, they're like little little soccer balls, like you say. And they get bigger as they roll. I thought that was kind of cool. They're like snowballs from hell. No, it's just, at this point where, you you know, when the one critter drops the F-bomb, you know what kind of movie this is. I mean... Oh, I think, yeah, definitely. And and I kind of liked it, though, that everything has a caricature, you know, to it. it it's funny. It, it it keeps it light. And I think that's the best part of this film is that, and you called it out, they know what they're making here. And they just go with it and, and totally own it. And I think that that's what makes movies like this work is if they will own it it'll it can be funny and it can be enjoyable and that's you know that's how all this goes and look at the bounty hunters going back to town they basically go all over this town they wind up in the church which i think is hilarious and they just start blowing it to pieces you know because they're looking for everybody and that's when lee turns into the minister and of course that totally freaks him out (laughs) you got the organ player right when he turns into the um the priest, you know, she she falls over on the piano and they blow up the piano. <laughs> yeah, they blast it with those guns. That, like I said, they look like big leaf blowers, you know. But that, I mean, that I don't know. I loved it. I loved that they had like these futuristic looking weapons. I thought that was so cool. The little barrel will extend and come back. Oh yeah, and, that, that, that gun. I don't know. Awesome. I, wish, it, I wish I had that gun. Yeah, well, I wanted one of those. I think I made one out of, uh, you know, toilet paper rolls and, and paper towel rolls when I was a kid, yeah. you know, and some sticks. So, it's, I mean, yeah, it's a blast. I'm certain now on, like, Grand Theft Auto, there's, like, a mod for it where you can be the UG mod or something like that. You can you can do it, but and, and that, that is its own set of issues. But I don't know. I, I, again, I'm, I'm enjoying where we're going here because it's moving fast, like I said, and Brad goes for help and he manages to, you know, meet up with the bounty hunters and get them back to his home. And Charlie's in tow as well at this point, right? And I love how the critters are starting to run away because they know who the bounty hunters are. And they have a like a big critter. That's like the biggest one of all, right? And that's got April. And it's gonna take her off. And I'm like, what is she? Like a snack for the road? That's exactly what she is. They even say it. It's like it's it's, <laughs> yep. it's food for her up there. 
Exactly. But I like that the critters are aware that the bounty hunters are after them, right? It's like, oh no, now we got to go. You know, it, it gives the, like there's a history there that we don't know about, but it, I don't know, it makes, it makes all that, I guess, more enjoyable to watch. At least to me, it does. Yeah, even when they're back at the house with the bounty hunters and they're attacking the critters, I mean, we get a scene earlier where they light one of the critters on fire and he goes inside the toilet to put himself out. And then they, and then, and then yeah. they find him in the toilet and then they just blow the toilet up. Oh yeah, yeah. That we should say they blow the Browns' house into pieces. Like it's still standing, amazingly, but they shoot holes all through it. I mean, wreck this place with those big, uh, you know, rocket guns or whatever they've got. It's it's a lot of destruction. Good luck claiming that on your, you know, Alpha Insurance there. So, yeah, trust me, I've dealt with uh, home insurance you're... companies. They ain't covering that. <laughs> Yeah, your your claim does not cover alien invasion, Miss Brown. But if you will look at this policy, I think you'll find what you're looking for next time around. Uh, so I'm certain that's exactly how that conversation would have gone. But but I love how like they're chasing after them, and the critters as they're getting ready to escape, they actually get on the or we should back up a second. Charlie and Brad sneak onto the ship, and they get April. They actually get out of the thing, and Brad is trying to set off like his. That's a homemade pipe bomb, right? He's basically made a stick of dynamite out of like shotgun shells and gunpowder and fireworks and all kinds of stuff. And he's trying to set it off and he drops it. And Charlie gets the great idea to light his bottle of whiskey with his handkerchief and throw a Molotov cocktail at the critters, right? Oh, it's such a it's such I, a heavy-handed metaphor where it's like he got the screw-up character who's no, does nothing but drinking and he's going to save the day by throwing the drink away, you know? Exactly, yeah. But I like that, though. Again, they've set that up. Charlie can't get anything right, and finally he gets one thing right. He has a bright idea. But I love before it blows up, and we know it's going to blow up because it always blows up in this kind of movie, right? But before it does, the critters are like, and by the way, we're going to blow your whole house away on our way out of town. They blast the house, and it shatters into a million pieces. That was that was an independent state level explosion, you know, ten years before that movie did it. Yeah, I was kinda half expecting them to like do like a close up of like the Krite like flying this thing with him flipping him off going, you know, F you <laughs> and flying away. You know, that, that would have totally been in like character of these guys. <laughs> Yeah, completely. And I would have gone for that, too, I'll tell you. I think I, they probably just couldn't have gotten that through at this point. But moments later, the fuse is burning down. They all realize they're about to be screwed. And sure enough, that one huge firecracker blows up that intergalactic spaceship. I'm like, man, you know, it can get light speed, but it's really susceptible to some black cat. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's kind of funny, too, because it's like you got this kid who's making pipe bombs, and it's like, man... Back in the 80s, that was cute, you know? And nowadays, it's yeah, like, it, well, yeah, that kid's trouble. He's not going to public school, you know? Well, let's 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 call it out. I mean, this is 10 years before, or, you know, more than 10 years. It's almost you know, 13, 14 years before Columbine. Nowadays, that's what that kid would be labeled as, you know? It, but back then, again, it's a much more innocent time. Well, even in the you movie, know? even and, in the I movie, think, he'd be the problem kid mm-hmm. making these bombs. But here, it's like, uh, it's cute and innocent. He just likes to blow stuff up. Exactly, yeah, he just blows stuff up. It's very, very strange, what the, the whole bit. But I like how the, the ship explodes and kills all the critters. And I love how the bounty hunters get ready to leave in their ship, and they hand Brad, like, this little remote out of their, uh, or Ugg does, out of his belt, like, call me, you know, and then they, and, and we should say Lee at this point has turned into Charlie. He's decided he wants to look like Charlie now. So you've essentially got two Charlies walking away, and Charlie's going off with them and like, hey, uh, you need a mechanic for them guns? Did you think Charlie was going to try to get on the ship and leave with them at that point? 
I just figured he was going to follow them until they turned around and say, go home, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get that he was going to be a part of the group, but as we'll learn later, that indeed is what will happen. But, you know, everything is destroyed, and as they fly off, you know, the Browns are standing there alive, but everything they've got is gone, and the little locator starts beeping. They push the button, and somehow magically, as if they were the greatest insurance company ever, everything goes back into place, and it's daytime again. <laughs> They, like, control the weather, too. Well, I think it was supposed to happen. There's supposed to be a little bit of a time lapse there that maybe they went and they stayed somewhere. Then they were coming back to kind of go through, like, the, you know, salvage some stuff out. But it was, like, they went to bed in the clothes that they fought the Kreitz in. Like, the mom's still, like, bloody and stuff. It's like, why don't you go wash some of that off your neck, you know? Or the the dad's still wearing the same ripped-up clothes. It's like, come on, there's not, like, a freaking, like shelter there they could give you guys like a butthole surfer shirt or something to wear for the night or something come on <laughs> yeah so, something at least right but as or a johnny Steele concert shirt but uh, you know everything gets put back into place and i thought well that i always thought that was cool and that the cat winds up in the you know the mailbox you know that was the funny you know little bit on it and the last scene of course is that we zoom in on the barn and there's a bunch of critter eggs there and I was like, oh, they leave, they're leaving us open. So I always wondered if there would be a sequel. It wasn't until many years later that I thought there could be. I remember even as a kid thinking, ah, they're just putting that in there because that's what these kind of movies do. And I don't know. How did you read that? Same as you. It's just like, hey, it's not over yet. Dun, dun, dun. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was neat, though. I liked it. And then we kick right into the, you know, the big you know, theme song again, and that's it. I mean, it's a fast little film. You know, this one doesn't last long, and I don't know. I think it's it cuts well together as as it fits. Oh, definitely. I mean, what's it's nice because it's 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 short and brief. I mean, it's a, it's a quick movie you can throw in on a Saturday afternoon, and it's just. I mean, that's that's all it is. I mean, it's just a quick quick you know brief exercise and just you know funny filmmaking, and in the end, it's. Short and quick. <laughs> well, I, and I think it's you know we're at the point now where it's time to be short and quick and give our final thoughts, recommendations, popcorn ratings. So, what are yours for critters? Oh, uh, for me, I'm gonna give it a. It's it's crossing that line between medium and large. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just give it a large popcorn. You know, it's it, it's a solid large popcorn. It's no extra butter, no extra salt. It's a solid large. It's it's a really 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 fun time and it's extremely satisfying if you're in the mood just to watch something that's just fun cute and you know kind of horrific all in mixed together. I mean it's like a I don't know it's it's like it's like a Reese's Pieces. It's like peanut butter and chocolate together. It's just a really good mixture. So <laughs> I think I was trying to think to myself what I could compare this to that I've reviewed on this show. You know, the first Leprechaun, Tremors, and Terror Vision really kind of fall in, in the same category. Well, it's not nearly as confusing as Terror Vision, so it, it beats that, okay? It's not as dumb as Leprechaun, and it doesn't treat the audience as dumb as Leprechaun does, so it beats that out. It's not as good as Tremors, so I can't give it the Tremors rating, but I, I think it's a good, solid, medium popcorn. This is what a cheesy 80s popcorn, you know, 
little sci-fi horror movie was. And I, I guess it's nostalgia and other things that just make me still fond for it. It is cheesy. It is kind of stupid, but it's fun. And I think you said it best. It's something you could just put on on like a you know rainy Saturday, watch and enjoy. And it's, it's enjoyable for a lot of ages. So I give Critters a, a good solid medium popcorn, not stale, still, still holding the salt and the butter and a lot of fun to watch. We got three more of these to go and I have no idea where we're headed i know i think you do and i don't so this is going to be an interesting road for me to travel as we get into this all i know is we're going to head into leonardo dicaprio's (laughs) first movie yeah i think we got another one before we get to that but yeah as a matter of fact that was one of your selling points to me for doing this series was dicaprio's in one of them so um that's gonna be fun i'm sure he's real proud of this so uh we'll We'll get to that one in another one. But next time, Mick Garris, our old buddy that directed The Stand from the Stephen King series, he's going to do Critters 2, the main course, as it's known. So we'll catch back up with him next time and see where these little crites go to. I'm fairly certain they're going to have to go back to those eggs, though, because you can't leave something like that hanging. So, uh, Folks, thanks for joining us on this episode of Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website continuousplaypodcast.com slash filmstrip you can also find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages leave us a review on iTunes let us know what you think and uh, what did you like about Critters had you ever seen it before do you have any memories of it Uh, we appreciate your support until next time for Nick I'm Jay thanks for listening to Filmstrip thanks for listening to Filmstrip I think you all better be here before somebody gets hurt visit our website continuousplaypodcast.com for more reviews and episodes All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17.